0: What's up? Buckle in. Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Mann, your official official. Welcome to your life's work podcast. How are you? Today, part two of the new sex talk. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for the feedback for part one of the new sex talk. A lot of you saying, hey, man, you're right. We need to start earlier. We need to get in this earlier and carving out conversation for the desire and for what's bodily happening, what the the physicality of sex is as we uh, discover ourselves as we get older as kids on into our teenage years. One good friend DM'd in and was just like, yo, what – you know, what could we have done with our with our lives sexually had we had that conversation generated earlier in our own lives? Uh, and also along that line of thinking, somebody said, yeah, man, like getting in it, yes, getting in it earlier is where we need to be. So uh, I totally appreciate that. If you have kids, draw them. Well, yeah, if you have kids, uh, sure, they can listen to the podcast. I might cuss. I'm just telling you. Uh, I don't make any promises. <laughs> uh, I'm going to review a little bit today and then we're going to talk, we're going to get into a little bit of the atmosphere today on what's happening, uh, around the country, um, as far as all the damn shenanigans that people are getting busted with, uh, behind closed doors. Cause there's a lot of sexual shenanigans going on behind closed doors, um, that I think the new sex talk can help with too. Um, and with that said, it's like one of the big things that I want everybody to understand is everybody makes sexual mistakes. Everyone makes sexual mistakes. It is a part of the process of healthy development in sex, along with just part of the process that you will make sexual mistakes. I mean that's just how it goes. Sometimes the desire can be, you know, so wrought with excitement and energy. And just, you know, the rush for completion and satisfaction that you run over not only your own individual kind of moral compass or code, but other people's as well. Is that right? Absolutely not. Um, absolutely not. So, so we will talk about those. Uh, you know, just as review, for those of you who like review, um, We're talking about starting the sex talk earlier, but we're also talking about a cognitive understanding with your young people that understands where your kids are at. In other words, are you talking anal sex with your kids, uh, your young kids? Absolutely not. Are you talking about what body parts are and what their functions are? Absolutely. And remember what I said last week, which really resonated with a few of you, like the penis and the vagina are not just sexual tools, all right? The penis is also designed for a couple other things the vagina also designed for a couple other things other than just sex. Um I wanted to start out with with um, so I'm into um I get I don't I don't know if you all do this but you should. I get a guy named Richard Rohr's um, daily meditations. And I would suggest you do this. Richard Rohr is this cool dude, monk guy, Catholic dude, unbelievable spiritual teacher, really really great guy, lives in New Mexico. Um, runs a little something called... I don't want to screw this up, so let me make sure I get this right. The Center for Action and Contemplation. The Center for Action and Contemplation. Um, And and I have learned so much from Richard Rohr over the years. um, And I just... He's a wonderful guy. But anyways, he sends out a daily email, and it's it's daily contemplation. And it's just wonderful thoughts. Either it's him... Um, or some of the staff uh, at his center uh, will write too, um, and and I thought today's today's uh, w- was really great for sex part part two, the new sex talk part two, uh, and I'm just going to read you the first paragraph. He uh, this is Richard writing. If we do not name the sacred character of gender and sexuality, we will keep naming it as we largely have in the realm of sin. This is so great. When most of us talk about gender, talk about gender, or talk about sexuality, we go right to the sin droplet. That's where we go. We, we don't bother, we really don't bother to delve into the sacred, divine nature of sex or gender. We don't do it. And we need to go there. And that's you know part of the new sex talk. Part of the new sex talk is really understanding that. When you're talking to your kids, your teens, or even your adult children, for that matter, who might have ish with the sex, as we will talk about, we need to really we need, we need to carve this back into the divine. And we can't just go, God created sex, now go don't do it. <laughs> we can't just do that. We have to understand that these desires that are in us are in us. They are as much in us as the absolute notion of God is in us, or truth, or wisdom, so, Richard Rohr is hitting it out of the park already. But again, most of the time we talk about it in terms of sin, which is bullshit. Most of us were not told our bodies, this is Richard again, most of us were not told our bodies and desires were sacred. In fact, quite the opposite, he says. We are told that our own bodies would lead us to the devil or evil. Come on, raise a hand. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Keep it, keep it zipped up or the devil will grab it. Oh, your your desire to see a naked woman is evil. Like, I mean, come on, this is honest to God, part of the crazy dogmatic bullshit that sits out there today, whether you're in religious circles or not, because I've heard it, I've heard it in non-religious circles. Richard goes on to say, when we repress desire, it shows up in addictive or abusive ways. Well, let's say that again. When we repress desire, it shows up in addictive or abusive ways. So again, I'm propping this like you're talking to your kids. Just remember that. I'm propping this like you're talking to your teenager. So are you repressing the desire? Are you pointing at it with shame and guilt? Are you pointing at it as evil or like the devil has run alongside it? I was involved in a ministry where we would go to, we would literally go to porn shows. Um, whether they were industry driven shows or consumer driven shows we'd go to these we'd go to these porn shows and it, thousands and thousands of people would show up to walk up and down the aisles and look at the either the latest thing in porn or meet their favorite porn stars and we we went, we went as an outreach by the way <laughs> that's, that's the caveat right we went as a we went as an outreach you know basically to say hey man you know you can be liberated from this insanity of of just absolute crazy sexual stuff gone loopy. And and obviously, if you've looked at porn or seen porn in the last, like, month, you get what I'm saying. Um, and obviously, porn is, is it's just not real. None of, none of it is real. Anyways, I, suffice it to say, people would— I don't know why I went down that rabbit hole. I remember. Suffice it to say, people would always go, did you see the devil at the porn show this weekend? And I don't know why I'm talking like this all the time today. And I would say, no, man, I don't— I've never seen the devil at a porn show. I used to, I tell people I used to tell people all the time that I've seen more Christians at a porn show than I have at times at at any given church I've been to. And people are like what? What are you talking about? Uh, because that's what we're talking about today. That's what we're talking about. When we repress desire, it shows up in addictive or abusive ways. It was Richard again. Richard, back to Richard's contemplation today. Popular culture, popular culture objectifies women's bodies, while many Christian denominations, and he says, including the Roman Catholic Church, will not accept women in priestly or pastoral roles. So isn't that great? So we'll go to the porn show to see the hot chicks doing the hot, sexual, cool things, and then on Sunday, we'll dip into a, a process An institutionalized understanding that women can't do anything. So on some level we're like, yo, get them naked, unzip it, let it rip. And then on the other side we're like, keep them at bay, put your thumb on them. So you have to understand that as we're teaching the new sex talk, everything that I just said inside those six sentences of Richard Rohr's little paragraph that I'm not even done reading yet have to be in some platform discussed and understood. How are your young people seeing sex, viewing sex, thinking about sex? How are your young people thinking about their own desire? And then how are your young people talking about that desire? And ultimately, what are they doing with it? All those things are great. All those things are great. Richard goes on to say, one in six American women has been the victim of rape. One in six. I mean, come on. People who are transgender. Here's a crazy one. People who are transgender are sexually assaulted at a much higher rate than females who are not trans. What does that say, right? There's still a great deal of work to... He goes on to say, there's still a great deal of work to be done to fully embrace, elevate, and empower women. All LGBTQIA. Hey, and for the record... You know how, listen, gay community, you know how much I love you people. Seriously, like right here. I got you, right? But this whole LGBTQI. when I was growing up, it was gay. <laughs> one guy came to me one time and he said, I'm same-sex attracted. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? And if you're listening, you know who you are. <laughs> I'm like, and you're gay. So uh, LGBTQIA. LGBTQIA. Yeah, okay. Um, Let me read the sentence again because I'm off being a jackass. There's still a great deal of work to be done to fully embrace, elevate, and empower women, all LGBTQIA individuals, racial minorities, and those with disabilities. Humans are so afraid and mistrustful of all otherness. Right? What a great little point that is. Richard Rohr just dropping cool crap every sentence. Like, what is that? What guy do you know, like, just write every sentence he writes is just like a gem? Freaking jerk is what he is. Um, We are so distrustful of otherness. In other words, when we're teaching sex, the other thing that we do is we keep certainty at the end of our fingertips. Right? So when we're teaching sex, it's like very much like, now let's get to the gay part. (laughs) And we get to the gay part, it drops to the ground like a big, heavy cement balloon with the, and it's wrong. (laughs) So again, man, embrace otherness, please. Don't be so quick as you're teaching out sexuality to put certainty, to put guilt, or to put shame on it. And I know everything I just said was hugely, uh, you know, loaded with uh, conversation and argument and shut off the podcast because he's a dangerous, evil man. Um, But that's great. But getting back to this LGBTQ, I'm just kidding. Um... So so that I just wanted to read that from Richard Rohr. And I just wanted to really the thing that I really focused in on is when we repress desire, it shows up in addictive or abusive ways. So now somebody's gonna say to me, but what if your ten year old has the desire to have sex? And I'm gonna say, Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah yes they yes they will. But we automatically go to a point where it becomes dirty and evil and the devil is attached to it and that's what that's really you know the new sex talk really needs to like bring that burden off. Our kids are growing up in an atmosphere like I said last week with such high dysfunction sexually. Okay? That we have to understand that it's it's their new normal. Dysfunction in sexual understanding is is the is the new normal. So the, they're growing up thinking it's cool to share nudes. You know th- there is no there's no gauge. There is no level of health or centered understanding when it comes to sex anymore. It's colly- all, it's, it's 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 all y'all oxen free you know, and, and, and come and get it. And I'm, I'm just calling it like it is. That's what it is. I have a 17 year old daughter. I gauge it on her conversation with her peers, but I also gauge it because I just kind of tap in a little bit, uh, because of my background with what I do and how I listen and, and deal with people and have clients that, that deal with this issue. Can you hear it's all kinds of weird sound going on in the podcast today. Can you hear the beeps? Yeah. All right. I'm ignoring it. um, so I just want to understand that. Yes, there is a new kind of sexual revolution going on. Obviously, with the Weinstein developments, um, it's it's just insanity. But it speaks larger. All the Weinstein accusations, all the people that are that are coming out with accusations and with admissions, and all these things really speaks heavily to how we have been influenced generation to generation by the repression and by the, frankly, ignorance of what's happening in our own bodies. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, again, I'm a guy who deals with people um, who have sexual addictions uh uh, and, and, and lust issues in the whole nine yards. And, and I, I'm telling you, 99% of it you can trace back to the understanding that there wasn't a whole lot of conversation in a, in a given household about what is happening inside our bodies. And hence the repression of desire shows up in addictive or abusive understanding. So please don't um, don't repress. Talk loudly and understandably, and help it make sense for your young person. All right, so let me get back into the l- let me get back into my notes. Um, if you're wondering what just happened there, I would stopped the podcast because I had to fix a microphone problem because it was driving me crazy. I like to be honest with you people, you know, because sometimes there's, there's you know, behind the curtain, it behind the curtain in production, um, it happens. Okay. Um, a couple things that I, uh, you know, a couple things that we talked about uh, last week that I just, that, that needed to be brought out. And, and two is like, is like helping your kids to understand appropriateness of the levels of, of sexual understanding going around. Now, when I was a kid, there was a girl that lived down the street and we had this show me yours, I'll show you mine type of thing. And that should be a part of the conversation too. So remember that desire, inquisit, you know, curiosity, inquisitiveness all need to be talked about. And you're looking for, if you're a parent, you're really looking for your child to talk to you. So yes, we can teach. Now remember remember old model of teaching, right? The old model of teaching was like somebody stood up at a classroom, talked for eight hours, and then kicked the kids out. That's how I grew up in, in school. It was like the teacher talked all day long, and then off we went. And we never had our own critical thinking. We never had our own expression and creativeness or, or desire for what we were talking about. I used to love – This English teacher that I had, and I forget her name, God bless her, and she would always engage us. And those are my favorite classes. So I want you to remember that. That's probably the same for you as it is your kids. So when you're in inquisitive land, like again, like uh, I had this girlfriend down the street. She wasn't a girlfriend. We were too young to you know have that kind of real true understanding. But there was a hey, I'll show you mine. Let me see yours type of thing going on just because of the inquisitiveness and the curiosity that we both had sexually. A lot of that gas can come out of the tank. A lot of that wind can come out of that sail. If you simply help another human being express whatever desire that they have. My middle boy asked me one time, hey, can I see a vagina? (laughs) And again, I, I, you know, I, I preface this by saying, I really do enjoy the opportunity um, to create that kind of conversation in our own family. So make sure you're taking advantage of the curiosity and ask them what they think. Ask them what is happening inside of them. Help them to identify feelings, both emotionally, spiritually, and physically help them to identify the understandings that they are sexual beings at the end of the day and that a large chunk of their teenage years, their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, possibly their 50s, possibly their 60s will be involved around the sexual desire and meeting that desire in some capacity. Um, what is appropriate levels? How do you talk about appropriate, uh, you know, appropriate levels? What what is not appropriate? Well, obviously, you know, obviously the whole you know, don't touch. No one should be touching um, is important, um, and that's an easy conversation to have. Like, hey, Jimmy, no one should be touching your penis. Um, and um, again, like that's kind of common sense. So when you're leaning into that. There might be the why, because you know maybe there is a desire for a young person to have that happen or to happen, and so again exercise that that curiosity. You know that's truly happening. You know with your young person. Um, as we get, you know something that something that Richard said that I just want to bring out that maybe not as talked about too much is that opening line that he had in that, which is if we do not name this is Richard, if we do not name the sacred character of gender. And sexuality, we will keep naming it as we largely have in the realm of sin. And when it comes to gender stuff, you know, I, there are plenty of books out there that are written by really great people uh, splitting the hairs of gender, like really talking about the differences between men and women. And I think we need that kind of education in the new sex talk. We really do need to identify it. Now, he, here's a couple – here's just a couple stupid examples. Do you know the brand Axe? You know the Axe, they make uh, shampoo, they make uh, – uh, body spray. They make deodorant. Um, if you read, it's, it's, and this is a brand geared to men. It's also like this hyper masculine, like you know, almost aggressive, like you know, design with words on it. You know, uh, you know. Uh, gosh, I wish I could think of some of the, some of the some of the word. But anyway, it, it's just super masculinely aggressive, like you know. Like like one side of the pendulum swinging hard to that aggressive male state. And with a brand like that, like I get it. You know, I totally get it. You're branding to men. Um, you want men to feel masculine, smell masculine, the whole bullshit there. Um, but I want you to understand that how we grow up, particularly with the Internet right now, we can get crazy – with the identification of what a man is and what a woman is, and I think we have to be able to teach that out with the new sex talk. You know we have to be able to level the playing field and understand our masculinity and understand our femininity. understand that there is uh, both a masculine and feminine side to god uh, God is not not solely you know branded as a man. the Bible is full of um you know the notion that that God also has a motherhood to Him, that God has a femalehood to Him, and a malehood, obviously, um, as well. But in the sex talk, we need that because. Women, I agree, for years and years and years, just like you know, Richard had said in here, we're either objectifying them or we're, we're putting them into the ground in their place. And with men, we're putting so much on the aggressive side of men and you know, the idea that uh, you know, men will lead. You know, It's like uh, m- my daughter, it's like, well, I'm going to wait for the guy to you know, make his first move. And so that just sets up a, a lot of first moves. And with some men, there can be a real identification that they can be aggressive with their desire sexually. And with some women, there can be the understanding that they need to be compliant in that aggressive move sexually. Um, Submissive in that sexual aggression. So, and again, I'm not putting anything on anybody. I I mean, if, if you're a victim of any kind of sexual shenanigans... You're a victim. That's how that goes. Like I tell, I tell women all the time. Like you know, it's you know, you, you you hear people when you talk in terms of rape or talk in terms of of sexual shenanigans. You know, like some idiots will go, "What were they wearing? What what did they look like? You know, were they were they spurring on desire?" And that's all bullshit. And we all understand that. We all understand that. That's crap. But we're teaching at this point, right? The conversation is really about teaching. The conversation is really helping everybody understand that at some level, we want to wipe away this hyper-masculinity aggressiveness in desire, and we want to wipe away this passivity and submission in its aggressiveness and desire to perform at some level. So we're teaching that too, and I hope I'm explaining that well, um, we're teaching that too. So it's not just inner desire, body parts, honest conversation. It's also the levels of energy that are coming off of our young men or coming off of our young women and the ability to understand that it's your body. You may do your, with your body with what you want. That's how that goes. And when you enter into a sexual relationship, there needs to be an equality there. There needs to be a massive spiritual divine natured equality because certainly God did not give, um, you know, one sex the ability to dominate another part, you know, another sex. That's just that's that's just that's just crap. So I want you to be able to teach that, too. And as you teach that, I want you to understand that. I want you to watch your young people. Uh, as they climb into that notion and understanding of who they are as men and who they are as women. And that's a big deal. And then watch the crap around them. You know, again, social media is doing nobody any favors right now. Yes, I love Facebook. Yes, I love Instagram. Yes, everybody else does too. For those of you who... You know, it's like TV back in the day. Like, you know, when we were in our 20s, people would say, I don't, I don't watch TV. And it was all bullshit. I mean, you know, it, it, today it's like, well, I don't I don't go on to Facebook. And, and maybe there's like one of you who does that, but the majority of us <laughs> are uh, trolling the Internet seeing how bad our life is compared to everybody else's great life. Um, so the Internet's not doing anybody anybody favors. We have to understand that. We have to be able to, as we teach, Show them the internet and what it's doing to us as far as that aggressive masculine thing and that oppressive feminine thing. We really have to be able to show them that. So again, it's like, you know, if you want to you help your young person identify modesty, show them what modesty isn't. Show them what modesty is. Now, number one, you got to live that right? Number one is parents. That's your deal. That's your job. That's your management. You got to live that. You can't cop out going, well, they're on the internet and, and you know, it is what it is. No, that's bullshit. You are the managers of your household. So make sure you're in it. Show them what modesty isn't. Show them what modesty is. Show them what over-sexuality is in your household. Show them what oversexuality isn't. Allow them the experience of that inquisitiveness allow them the experience of their awareness of what it is or isn't but please be teaching alongside what the interwebs are doing to our kids please be teaching alongside what the interwebs are doing to our children because at the end of the day it is a very very slippery slippery slope Um, the last thing I want to talk about is we're 25 minutes into this, um, is, is the whole idea that our kids are going to eventually leave us. So, you know, Mia and some of you who, some of you who listen to, uh, white dad, black daughter podcast that me and I do know that she, um, just recently went on a trip to the East coast and, Um, she's 17, and Mia's a very beautiful 17-year-old woman, and there's no doubt that uh, there are dudes out there that have a desire, Uh, and there's no doubt that my 17-year-old daughter has a desire, and it's okay, it's okay. Everybody calm down. (laughs) Mia knows I talk about her. (laughs) Um, So, you know, when you're sending them into the world, you gotta have a confidence at some level. You gotta be able to let go and have a confidence at some level that how you're teaching will resonate. Because I think traditionally the line is, is that teenagers don't listen to their parents. I think traditionally the line is is that there's a rebellious situation for teenagers when they, when they're dealing with their parents. And yeah, man, there is like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to BS myself that there's not. Yes, there is. You know, me and I have difficulties with, with certain things. And my, my big point here is if you're teaching and you're getting response from, from your kids, like if you're having real conversations, if you're talking about masturbation, if you're talking about sexual desire, if you're talking about right, wrong, indifferent when it comes to sexual shenanigans, if you're talking about the like, you know what it, what it means to, to, to be a man or what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a man and a woman together sexually, and you're talking about then, then the desire of what that means, And you're getting these conversations back in your own ears. Like, I guarantee you, you're going to have a confidence to be able to let your children go, regardless if they make a mistake or not. Because remember what I said early in the podcast, everyone makes sexual mistakes. There's no one on this planet that has not made sexual mistakes. I don't care who they are. Mother Teresa made a sexual mistake. So, you know, we have to, and I don't mean just to pick on Mother Teresa, but that's, she's just, you know, there's a pendulum swing there that I want everybody to understand. So... In that, one of the ways to build confidence in yourself, parents, is to understand that when you're getting conversation back from your child about what you're teaching them sexually, I'm telling you, you can sit back and have a little bit of muscle build in there. Because again, it's hard sometimes to see the muscles that we're building, not only in ourselves, but in our own kids. It's hard sometimes to see the progression of health, when you're trying desperately, but, but you're just being met with the interwebs and opposition and teenage shenanigans or a child that doesn't understand. The clear way to truly get that there's something going on is when you are getting conversation back. So again, man, like I let you know Mia go on this trip and my one thought was, oh, she's, she's gonna go out there and have shenanigans. No, that wasn't it. The idea is, is that when Mia's leaving this house, and going into the world, that I have a confidence because of our conversations back and forth, that she will question not only her own motives, but also question desire and question what it is, what it isn't, um, and make healthy and make healthy choices. With that said, I uh, also understand. <laughs> I also understand that people make make mistakes. Um, Good people, it's 29 minutes into this wonderful, bombastically great podcast. And I love all of you so much. Uh, I am JR, JRman.com, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com. I'm JR at JRman.com on my email. My number is on the website, 619-964-0337. People are like, dude, you give your number out. I'm like, yeah, I give my number out. I I want you to be able to tell me. Um, I mentor your life's work That's what I do If you go to my website There's more about that And how you and I Can strike up a relationship um, And how I can I I can help Uh, If you are struggling In any way If you are living In any way If you have a dream Unrecognized Or you feel stuck In any way Or there is a fear That is kicking your ass I can help um, hit me, and we will schedule a session. First session always free. First session always free. And I say that non-arrogantly. By non-arrogantly, when I say, some sometimes you might only need one session, um, because sometimes it's just one conversation that needs to unlock a door. Um, you know, the therapists, psychiatrists, counseling have got us all worked up to think that we got to be in counseling for 17 years until we solve a damn problem. That's bullshit. Um, Sometimes one conversation can get you going. Isn't that awesome? How about taking the burden off of that? How about if you've been in psychiatry or counseling for years and years and years and years, maybe you sit back and go, hmm, Uh, I love all you good people. We will talk next week.